0: Got your wifty? You know what a wifty is, right? Wifty is your word for the year. Okay? How many how many have, have your word for the year? Some of you already turned them in. Some of you maybe are ready today. Some of you are like, huh? But uh, hopefully you can keep working on that and figuring that out. It's been fun looking through some of the words that you all uh, have chosen, or that God has led you to. Uh, Here's a few of them right here. Uh, Focused forward, we talked about that last week. Wisdom, pressing on, moving forward, be still, perseverance, change, future, reconciliation. Emmanuel, which means God with us, patient, and a few variations on patient and patience. Dust, dwell, often, emancipate, steadfast, ready, understanding, and missionaries. If you're new to this or new to us, what we do is we pick a word at the beginning of the year, a word that we hope will help us grow or kind of be a symbolic of where we are in our faith journey and where we need to go, something that will help us go deeper into Christ in the year ahead, uh, something that will help us uh, perhaps um, trust Him more, help us follow with more uh, and increased devotion perhaps. Uh, I did not have mine to tell you last week, as I had not zeroed in on it. So I, uh, I worked on that this week, and I um, was reading Psalm 46:10, uh, uh, which I love this verse and this first part of it. And the reason I was reading this because this this first part of this, line, this, uh, "This be still and know that I am God," because part of what I've been thinking about and praying about is a kind of a, a better rhythm uh, to my life in this next year, uh, trying to establish some patterns of of hard work and yet making sure that I'm taking times of rest and refreshment that are are, are fueling me for for ministry. And, and for life, uh, because my birthdays just kind of keep coming quicker and quicker at me. I just want to stay uh, fully engaged, and so I've been focusing on this, be still and know that I'm God. But my, my I, you know, there's more to this verse, though, and my eyes move to the rest of the verse. It says, be still and know that I am God, and then I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted among the earth. And I, I've usually just read past that, but when I let, read it this week, the word exalt just jumped off the page. Not literally, but it just became so aware to my presence, this word exalt. And I thought, that doesn't seem like the kind of word that I usually pick. Just kind of the point, because usually I ask God to pick the word for me. But um, this word just sort of jumped off the page, and I started thinking about it and focusing on it. God is exalted by his mighty works. We read that in Scripture. But I realized also that God is exalted when we join him in his work and purposes. When we're living more and more according to his plan and his will for the world around us, he's exalted. When we act in ways of obedience and, and service and justice to those around us, God is exalted. And so now we were getting somewhere. And now I started doing a little bit of study and, and work with this word exalt, and my study took me to in the New Testament, Philippians 1.20, where the apostle Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Not just my physical body, but how this body lives its life in the presence. That that somehow um, I'll have the courage that Christ will be exalted, that people will come to know Christ by the way I live. That the ways in which Emily and Emily wash feet in Delhi will somehow exalt Christ because people will see the humility and the power of our Savior in that act. So anyway, that's my word. We'll see how it goes. Ask me in June if I even remember it. I hope I will. uh, This one is really, because it was so much one that that, that God gave me when I was looking for something else. I'm kind of excited. And so let me encourage you also, if you haven't yet, the little slips in your uh, bulletin, it's optional to hand it in. I just love to see them because then I can kind of list them and I will keep it confidential who has what word, but uh, it's just fun. It's an encouragement to the body to do that. So uh, let me know afterwards or you can email me if you'd rather do that and save a small part of a tree and not use the paper, whatever. One more of your words, especially caught my attention though this week, um, it's the word wait. And uh, with today's verse that, that Daniel just read about waiting on the Lord or hoping in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And the person that wrote wait also put on there for their text Isaiah forty thirty one. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And actually, it was the very first one that was handed to me when I walked out to the Narthex last Sunday. And the person that handed it to me, I happen to know that this person is, is dealing with some things where wait really has a lot of uh, impact for them and value for them. It's a prayerful waiting, it's a hopeful waiting, it's an expectant waiting for God to, to move and to speak. And that's really what the word means here in this passage in Isaiah 40. It's more than just a sitting around and sitting still and, and waiting passively. And often it's translated not as wait, but rather as hope in or trust in. Because that's really what the word means more than just waiting. There's a, it's an expectant kind of waiting. It's not a, a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's not, a, it's not a just sit still and do nothing until God moves kind of thing. It's rather uh, an expectant looking to God for what he's doing. And we can take activity in the midst of it. And that's a little bit of what I want to do today as we move into this new year, this activity of prayer in what I would call, I guess, the posture, not a physical posture, but a, a posture of the heart and spirit, a posture of waiting, hoping, and trusting. So I was looking at prayer and, and spending some time with this, it took me to another verse in the New Testament. It's a short verse. It's gr- If you've got a, a, a challenge to memorize a bunch of Scripture, this is a great place to start because it's either two or three words depending on the translation. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 and usually it'll come up as pray continually. Uh, it's three words for pray without ceasing. If you can remember three words, you can memorize that version. Other versions say pray all the time. Uh, A former colleague of mine used to always yell through the church, never stop praying. That's another way to translate this one. But my favorite is keep on praying. Keep on praying. That's how we actively wait in prayer is to keep on praying, to be in a posture of prayer like that. So what I'd like to suggest this morning then is that this be our call to grow in prayer this week or this year as followers of Jesus learning to actively wait on God actively hope in, actively trust in God to actively wait on God in prayer will mean taking to heart and taking to action this call to keep on praying this will mean first of all keeping company with God secondly it will mean keeping contact with God and thirdly it will mean keeping confidence in God and the three obviously relate to each other Keeping company with God, pray continually, pray without ceasing, keep on praying. It begs the question, does that mean we're supposed to be praying all the time? Well, obviously not. It's not realistic. Uh, maybe unless, you know, God's called you to be sort of a, a monk or, or a spiritual person who lays around and sits around or stands around or runs around praying, I don't know. But obviously that's not it. It refers much more to a lifestyle. It much means much more of, a, of an orientation of our life to, to live prayerfully. Even more than that, it is a, if prayer is a conversation or a communication with God, it's more like keeping company with God. When you keep company with somebody, you're not talking constantly. Well, some people do, but not all people talk constantly when you're with somebody that you care about, but you keep company with someone. You may be talking part of the time, you may be listening part of the time, but all the time you're keeping company, you are with that person. It's a matter of being with or as some have coined the term in spirituality, it's a withness with God. It's a growing awareness. It's an increasing increasing consciousness of God so that at some level, we're actually keeping company with him all the time. Not always praying, not always listening, not always necessarily even acting all that spiritual, but that awareness of keeping company with God at all points and all times of our life. So it's not always prayer language, but it's a life lived with God. It's sort of like walking and talking and traveling with God. We sang an old hymn this morning, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Another old hymn that uh, uh, these days, the only time I ever sing this song anymore is somebody uh, probably at least two decades older than me has passed away and requested this at their funeral, but the words are still good. (laughs) I come to the garden alone when the dew is still in the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he what? What does he do with me? He walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Maybe an old hymn like that doesn't connect with you where you are, but have you ever traveled with somebody that you didn't know well? You know, when you go on like a mission trip like that or when you go on a journey or you go on an organized tour or something, you may end up traveling with somebody that you don't know too well and yet you spend time with them over the course of a journey or a trip or a a tour or whatever. And you find that there's lots to talk about, a lot of experiences to share, there's problems to solve if you're traveling together. And sometimes when you're keeping company with somebody for a long period, you're sometimes talking and sometimes you're silent. Sometimes you just need time to reflect on what's being seen or experienced on this journey. In a little bit, that's a little bit what life with God is like, to walk with God, to keep company with him. There's an Old Testament guy named Enoch. We only know a little bit about him, but what's said is, uh, I would like to have said of me sometime. Genesis 5 says this, And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more, because God took him away. Apparently, he didn't even die a regular death. Enoch lived another 300 years in close fellowship with God. And he had other sons and daughters. He enjoyed a close relationship with God throughout his life. And then suddenly he disappeared because God took him. That's a different translation. Enoch walked with God. He lived with God. He walked closely with God. He had a close relationship with God. He didn't even die. He just kept keeping with God and went straight into God's presence somehow. And he probably wasn't really praying the whole time, he was, but he was present, he was aware he was keeping company. I'd kind of like to be like, you know, I don't, I'm not really looking to live 365 years, uh, but still that sense of keeping company. The Christian writer J.B. Lightfoot said this about this little verse of scripture. It is not in the moving of the lips, but in the elevation of the heart to God that the essence of prayer exists. Not just in the moving of the lips, but uh, uh, the presence or the elevation of the heart to God. And I agree with that, That some, but sometimes, sometimes in prayer, the lips have got to move. <laughs> it's not just the keeping company. The lips need to move. Prayer is witness, but part of keep on praying is praying, keeping company. So let's look secondly then at keeping contact with God, not just keeping company with God, but keeping contact with God. This verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 in particular, is really a call to action, and one way we know that is to, to get a little bit of the grammar, and um, I'm not going to give a long grammar lesson here, but simply this phrase, keep on praying, is actually in between two other very short verses. Verse 16 says rejoice always, and verse 18 says always be thankful. Rejoice always, keep on praying, always be thankful. And all three of them are one kind of verb, and if you've studied language, you know what kind of verb it is? It's, a, it's an imperative an imperative. It's imperative that you do this. You know, in our native language, we don't know that. When you have to learn another language, you go, oh, that's why we call it that. It means to do this. Rejoice. Pray. Be thankful. And sometimes we hear an imperative like it's kind of a harsh thing, but it's, a, it's an encouragement. It's a, this is the way we move forward. This is the way we stay connected to God. And this is the way we stay in contact with God as well. We take this call to action. It's not just an emotional response. It's a behavior. It's a habit that we build. And for those of us who want to establish a more consistent habit of keeping company, this will come with keeping contact, the discipline of prayer, being more intentional about our times of prayer. Discipline is uh, not a word we use as much anymore, as much as a practice, a spiritual practice, something we do on a regular basis. Prayer with all its facets of, of worship, reflection, confession, intercession, and making time to do that. We're always learning. Several years ago, Megan and I had the privilege of attending a, a prayer conference in Phoenix. I've mentioned it before, but uh, this conference was just amazing uh, worship, uh, amazing seminars and speakers. Um, the worship was very much of a, of a charismatic, um, spirit-filled form, and, 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 but, but the speakers represented that dimension, but other dimensions of, uh, uh, of Christian living as well. Uh, people from different traditions, uh, reformed traditions, as well as uh, charismatic and Pentecostal traditions. And one of my favorites was uh, that I, in fact, I just pulled it off the shelf. This this is an old, some of you know this book because you've studied it. This is my old version of Love to Pray. In fact, the pages are falling out because I love this little book. And this is where I was introduced to this book at that prayer conference. It's called Love to Pray, a 40-day devotional for deepening your prayer life by Alvin Vandergrind. And there's a devotion on this little passage in this book on Isaiah, or on 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And this is where he introduced me to the idea of practicing prayer triggers. Prayer triggers. Vandergren says this, Praying continually means making it a habit to talk to God about our everyday experiences. Repeated activities can become triggers for God consciousness. In other words, things that we see, things that we do on a regular basis, to let those be the points where this is, this is when I pray. This is a trigger for me to pray. And then he quotes from the famous American General Stonewall Jackson. I didn't know what a man of prayer and faith he was, but Stonewall Jackson wrote this. He said, I have so fixed the habit in my mind that I never raise a glass of water to my lips without asking God's blessing. I never seal a letter Remember letters? Uh, Never seal a letter without putting a word of prayer under the seal. I never take a letter to the post without a brief sending of my thoughts heavenward. I never change my classes in the lecture room without a minute's petition for the cadets who go out and for those who come in. See, those were the prayer triggers for Jackson. Prayer triggers for us can be that moment of getting up in the morning, of sitting down to a meal, to a task, to a good cup of dark, rich, black coffee. I love this stuff, I say to God, and I thank Him for the other good things in my life. Some people often will pray as soon as they get behind the wheel of the car, knowing what can happen out there. Others, I've never built this habit, but I love the idea that whenever anybody sees an ambulance, pray for who's in it, pray for their safety, for their family. Some people ask the, have the, the habit of whenever they pass a church, that that be a, a trigger to pray for what God's doing in that place or what maybe God needs to do in that place. What about you? What are the prayer triggers that might be there that might keep us in, in better contact with God as we go on? Megan and I developed a habit a long time ago that the prayer triggers are when we go to bed and when we go to work. When we fall into bed, we generally go to bed at the same time every night, and we try to pray every night before, uh, before we fall asleep. Sometimes the sleep part comes a little quicker, or it's encroaching, uh, and so sometimes we'll say, that's all right, honey, I prayed. And, and we both do this. We, we fall asleep on each other. I, I do it more often. I do, I, I do it more often, okay, but um, there have been times. But uh, seriously, it's a time, and sometimes it's just brief, but we always, we always remember in uh, that night to, to pray for each other, Uh, to pray for our children and our grandchildren as well. And in the morning, uh, when we head out to work, when we leave for work, we pray for the day. We pray for our respective ministries, both of us in ministry. We pray for each other and the things that God has before us. And again, we pray for our children. And we take those two triggers seriously in our life and try not to just dial it in and make it a quickie. What about you? What are the prayer triggers for you that might help you to stay a little bit better in contact or things maybe you're already doing and going, oh yeah, I could add another one to that list of things that remind me to pray. The more we experience God, the more we experience God in prayer as we see him acting in and around us and as we see him at work in the people we know, the more we grow then in confidence and knowledge and assurance that he is with us and keeps us actively in prayer and waiting. So keep on praying means keeping company with God. It means keeping contact with God. And the thirdly, there's this idea then of confidence, of keeping our, our confidence, building our confidence in God and in his reality. And here I want to simply uh, try to develop the simple idea that investing increases awareness. What do you see? The more you spend time and energy in a, a particular thing, you, you see more and more about it. And, I, and it's, um, it's a silly example, and I think I've even used it before, but whenever you're, you're getting ready to buy a new car or a used car, or whatever. You do a little bit of research. Some people do. Some people just buy something because it looks good, but you know, some people do the research. Have you ever noticed when you do that, all of a sudden, there's more of those cars on the road than you'd noticed before? You know, When you're deciding to, to, to buy... We, we got a 2014 uh, Honda Accord last year, a car that I pray will last 20 to 25 years. But anyway, we bought a Honda Accord, and that's one reason we bought it, because we did the research. I, every other person drives a, Honda, a 2014 Honda Accord now. You ever noticed that before? You know, but when you've invested some energy and some research in something and, and a good deal of money, you you tend to notice it more. You're much more aware. It's like other things that we research or things that we want to buy. You know, you you look online for something one time and then the internet and those people remind you five times a day for the rest of your life that this is something that you wanted to buy at one point. You you like that? But seriously, if there's a piece of clothing you want, all of a sudden you start seeing it more. If there's a a fitness item you want, you start seeing it more. If something that you've invested time in. I happen to have noticed for years when people are wearing Adidas running shoes. Silly, but I noticed that because I've always worn Adidas running shoes until recently. Some people see Harley-Davidson's all the time. I don't know the difference between a Harley-Davidson and another motorcycle, sorry, but others would know it in an instant. When we invest time and energy in something, we see them. When we invest time and energy in research, it makes us more aware. Our minds, our receptors are more alive, and the same happens in prayer. When we're investing energy in prayer, we're investing energy in praying for specific things and specific people and, and practicing that habit of getting God's presence. We become more aware we become more aware of God and his presence in that keeping company. In fact, I wrote a very short poem about this. More prayer, more aware, God is there. You can quote me on that if you'd like to. I realize one of my predecessors here, Greg Osimakopoulos, would do something much more eloquent. He's a wonderful poet, but that's my little offering today, and Greg is a good buddy. I might even share that with him now that I think about it. Anyway. Keeping in confidence in God, a growing confidence. Confidence. And I think it's important to to, to build that investment, that kind of bank. We used that imagery of a bank last week, too. That, That prayer is not always simple. It's not always as simple, you pray and get an answer. It's never a straight line, or rarely a straight line. of I have a problem, I pray about it, here's the solution. Sometimes, some prayers go unanswered. Some prayers, all we can do is just say, God, I don't even know what words to use, but hear my heart on this. Sometimes when we think we've got it all down, then life starts coming at us even faster. And it gets more confusing and the direction is not always clear from God. But in those times of waiting, in those times of even confusion, in those times of even being overwhelmed, this is when we need this confidence bank to be well invested so that we need to to know that God is there. We need these reminders over and over again of what God's doing, what he has done. And we need especially this reminder that we are not alone. We are not alone. Somebody familiar with the contemporary, not that contemporary anymore, but author Philip Yancey, who is still writing. And has uh, written some really powerful things. What's So Amazing About Grace? Love that book. But his book on prayer, it was a little controversial because he said sometimes, we don't know, if, he used the phrase, does prayer work? You know, he said, all right, of course prayer works. But he really was exploring some of the questions that we really have about it. But he gets at the idea, this idea of this confidence and this confidence of, of not being alone. He says this, he says, Life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived. Mystery means we don't always figure it all out, or we never do, really. And he says, Prayer offers no ironclad guarantees, but it does offer the certain promise that we need not live that mystery alone. Another voice that addresses this from about oh, 50, 60 years ago, was Thomas Merton, who was a 20th century mystic, really, monk, poet, author on spirituality, out of the Catholic tradition, but well-read and respected over a lot of Christian traditions. And Merton said this, and it's sometimes even called the Merton Prayer. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore I will trust you always though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear for you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Keep your confidence in God. Stay close to him. Keeping company. Keep on praying. Keeping this confidence. Building this confidence bank as we actively wait on God in prayer. As followers of jesus it 's a, it's a discipline to build it 's a practice to establish learning to actively wait on God and taking this action this call, taking up this call to keep on praying as we bring it to a close this morning as we look forward to a little bit of time of prayer together, I just have a few questions to kind of get us going here first one says what 's one thing that needs to change for you to establish a habit?" of actively waiting in prayer this year? What's one thing that changed to change? It might be an external thing in terms of schedule, location in your home or whatever. It might be an internal thing in terms of attitude or a rhythm that you build in your life. What's something that would, would help you increase this uh, act of waiting? It might be some things to let go of. Secondly, at what times do you find yourself most likely to go to God in prayer? just the times of deep need or the times of deep gratitude, whatever, it's a good little assessment. But I think this next one too, this, what could be some prayer triggers for you as you look at the rhythm of your life? What are some prayer triggers that would be helpful for you in the rhythm of your life when it's hard to find that time to pray but asking God to remind you of these things? Maybe some of you still need a little bit of time to reflect on your word for the year or two. We're just going to take, yeah, we got a little bit of time. We're just going to take a couple minutes of Silence. Uh, Just spend some time with God, whether on these questions, on your word, or just enjoying him, Uh, but let us commit this time to the Lord. Let me introduce it, and then I'll leave you in silence for a while. Lord, thank you for this wonderful, mysterious tool, uh, practice of prayer that you've given us. Thank you that's so much more than talking to you and listening to you. So I pray for my sisters and my brothers now, Lord. And myself, Lord, that in this time now we would draw close to you and you would teach us some new things and take us to some newer and deeper places as we commit our lives to you. That we are with other faithful followers who really want to We really do want to draw nearer to you, Lord. We all want to live our lives more effectively. Not more religiously, more effectively. Led by you. Empowered by you. We want to be in touch with you because you are our creator. And our redeemer and our savior. We want you, Holy Spirit, to empower how we live and who we are. Help us, Lord, as we head into the rest of 2015 then. To be people who are building this habit of prayer where, it's, where there's active waiting or really moving forward quickly. Whatever it might be, Lord God, we ask that we would be led by you. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us always and that you never give up on us. And you are faithful. We pray this in your name. Amen.